I want you to uh, find a scripture over in 1 Samuel, and I'm going to talk to you about supernatural increase, the indispensable factor. And this kind of wraps up uh, several months of teaching, but the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, those who honor me, I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. Say this to me with all your heart. Those who honor me, I will honor. Raise your hand if you believe that. That if you honor God, he will honor you. Yes, those who honor me, I will honor. Honor means to give the greatest weight to or respect or to give attention to, to greatly esteem, to adhere to what is right, not in man's eyes. You know, the Bible says that, that everybody basically believes what they believe and in our own hearts we form our own truth. That got us in trouble in Noah's day. Are you here? What matters is not what's doing right in your eyes, which is the way it was and still is around the world. What's right, well, the right thing to do is what's right in God's eyes. And that's the key and the focal point of, of honor. Why do I call honor indispensable? And indispensable simply means absolutely necessary, essential, critical. Say it's absolutely essential. Absolutely. Come on, say it. Honor, honor is absolutely necessary. necessary. What I mean is there is no way for any of these principles of increase to work if honor is not the foundation of them. And you'll see today the connection between those principles and honor. But I want you to see something in Luke chapter 4. We won't read the whole story. A lot of the background of this message we shared on Wednesday night, but I want to get to the heart of it today with you. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus is preaching a message basically uh, that he preached wherever he went. And he said in verse 18, this is what he preached from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recover his sight for the blind. To release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the Bible says they're all amazed at his gracious words that came from his lips. And now they go to this concept of, well, isn't this Joseph's son? And Jesus said to them, surely you'll quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we heard you have done in Capernaum. I tell you the truth, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown, or no prophet is honored in his hometown. I assure you, and listen to this carefully, church, I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut up for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but to a widow in Zarephath in, reg in the region of Sidon. Look at somebody and say the prophet in the famine was not sent to Israel. And there were many in Israel with leprosy at the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. Now if you look at verse 28, the people were not happy with this sermon. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They're preachers today that think unless everybody loves them, they're not doing their job. Huh? <laughs> Selah. What made them so mad? Why were they so upset? And why were the prophets, in this case Elijah and Elisha, sent to people outside of Israel during the famine and at a time when so many people had leprosy. The answer to that question is honor. The reason they were so mad is Jesus was basically saying there was no honor in Israel. There was honor outside of Israel for both this leper and for this woman who was in need. How do we know that there was honor? Because we knew with a woman who was the widow that God commanded her and she heard something from God that he was going to use her to make a difference to meet a need in that man of God's life. We also know that Naaman had heard that there was a prophet in Israel and you could be healed if you'd actually go there and submit to him. So what does this tell us? There are two people, both of them non-Jews, who absolutely believe in the God of the Jews. Everybody say honor. honor. Honor is a big deal. Yes, it is. It's enormous. Yes. There's no way for us to supernaturally increase or for anything to go well for us if we're not tapping into and walking in the honor of God. 
In fact, the Bible says in Matthew 10, 40, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives the one who sent me. If we honor God, we're also going to honor those that are sent to us. So you might say like this, God knew that the prophets would be accepted, received, and listened to. Now you know why they got so mad. How dare you imply we wouldn't receive them, walk in honor, and listen to them. But Jesus was already well aware of the track record of ignoring the prophets. No matter of fact, killing the prophets instead of listening to the prophets in Israel. Well, as we build this foundation today, keep this in mind. Honor is very rare in all our culture today. In fact, if you're walking in honor towards God, you stick out like a sore thumb. And the world would rather just beat you to a pulp and get rid of you. But say it with me, I don't mind. Say, I'm going to walk in honor. But I'll tell you this, if you choose to walk in the honor of God, you're going to be like a homing beacon for God. He's going to find that person walking in honor, and great things are going to happen in their lives. Particularly in this nation right now, when so few people will do that. Say it with me, honor is a big deal. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 5, let's talk about how they, how they spoke and how they dealt with Jesus for a moment. In Luke chapter 5, the Bible says in this story, the power of God was present to heal the sick, but all the Pharisees did was come there to try to trap him. I mean, you know, that's not honor. Coming to actually receive from him is one thing, trying to trick and trap him is another thing. In Mark chapter 6, the Bible says he couldn't do many miracles there because of their unbelief. In fact, what it says is they got offended at him. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this Mary's son? Aren't these his brothers and sisters? How do you understand when you don't have honor for the one sent to you, it's hard to receive anything from them? Whatever anointing he had was not being released because they did not honor him in that story. In Matthew chapter 12, he's accused of casting out devils by the devil. And Jesus points out to them, if I'm the devil casting out devils in the house divided here, do you even listen to yourselves? I can't possibly be the devil. But basically what he's saying is, you know, this is how you honor God sent to you in the flesh form. In another story in John chapter 8, he says, they say to him, aren't you a Samaritan and you're demon possessed? That's a wonderful thing to say about your God. Aren't you a Samaritan? What is that? That's the racist dig at him, first of all. And second of all, aren't you demon-possessed? You see, their lives could have been marked by great revelation, but they had no honor. In the story in Luke 5, more than just the man who was lowered through the roof could have been healed if they had honored him instead of rejected him. The power of God was present to heal the sick, and they didn't get it because when Jesus began to issue you know, salvation, and in a ministry of redemption to him, son, your sins are forgiven. They choked on it. Who do you think you are, Jesus, saying you can forgive sins? He said, but that you may know I have authority to forgive sins. Rise up and what? Rise up and walk in front of everybody. You think that would have caught their attention, saying, well, maybe there's something to this. How do you understand that some of those old Pharisees probably needed a healing or two? I mean, when they walked in the door, they, they cracked, snappled, and popped. Amen. They absolutely <laughs> needed help. And it was right there. But there was no honor. How about, the, how about the men that brought that paralytic there? Was there honor? They picked him up. And they hauled him to the house. And they walked up the steps on the side of that thatch house. And they, they began to remove the roof and lower him down. How many understand? That shows great honor for the one on the inside. And what happened was he got saved and he got healed and God was glorified. I'm telling you what, when people honor God, great things happen. Supernatural things happen. Amazing things happen. You contrast that in Scripture with people who looked at Jesus with great honor. I think about blind Bartimaeus who understood this guy going around healing everybody, particularly eyes. This is the Son of God. And he cried out, Son of David, amen, have mercy on me. And they told him to what? Shut up. But Bartimaeus was a man on a mission. He's, he was saying to myself, I've been sitting there too long being told to shut up and do this and don't do that. I'm going to cry out all the more. Have son of David, have mercy on me. You know, the Bible says Jesus stopped and said, call him. And suddenly disciples changed their attitude. 
He's calling you, be of good cheer. <laughs> Five minutes ago, shut up. Now it's be of good cheer. He's calling you. We were with him all the time. We knew what he was going to do. <laughs> Such honor. He called him by a messianic name. Jesus, the heir of the throne of King David, the prophet, priest, and king, have mercy on me. I tell you, when you give him that kind of honor, you're going to go home with a miracle in your life. You're going to go home with supernatural increase in your life. That's the difference. I think of the centurion who was, you know, a Gentile who believed in the Jews' God and who was no doubt in right relationship with God. When he came to Jesus, my servant's at home sick. I'll come to him and heal him. And the centurion said, no, just say the word. Jesus said, hmm, I've never seen such faith anywhere in Israel. And this is a Roman centurion. Yeah. Honor. Honor catches attention. Honor causes that anointing to be released in our lives. Honor brings results in our lives. I think about, uh, you know, Mary and the perfume. I think about the fact of this expensive, you know, perfume broken and, and placed on his feet and, and anointed his feet with great honor and great respect. And they rebuked her for it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She's prepared me for the day of my burial. Leave her alone. You see, there are people that walk in honor and the world disdains it, but God absolutely loves it. Amen. He said in his word, those that honor me, I will honor. Romans 13, 7 tells us to give honor to whom honor is due. And it, it starts with God and his people and his servants and the things of God. And I'll tell you this, in a world that's trailing you to dishonor God and disregard God and marginalize God and not believe in God and somehow don't be associated with those crazy believers and people, I tell you, you need to dig in further than you ever have before. You make sure in the future you're honoring God at a level you never had before. And yes, you'll stick out and know you're not going to win a popularity contest. But God never told us we were in a popularity contest. I want you to think for a moment about these seven factors we've talked about. We told you about walking in the truth. I want to say to you today, I honor God when I walk in the truth. Are you here? When I find out what the truth is and walk in it, that's honoring God. Listen carefully. All seven of these are manifestations of honor. The reason they're all important is because they teach us how to walk in honor towards the Lord. And God is never going to turn his back on somebody that walks in honor. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have to be perfect. But you do have to have a heart of honor towards the Lord. When I walk in the truth, I'm honoring God. Number two, I honor God when I'm diligent. When I am steady and continuing. Sometimes you don't feel like being steady. Sometimes you don't feel like being in church. Sometimes you don't feel like reading the word. Sometimes you don't serve like you, you know, feel like you want to serve. Sometimes you don't want to give patience to people. You just want to knock their block off. <laughs> but did you know choosing to not knock their block off is honor? <laughs> Are you here today? You're just diligent. You're steady in the application to the business of the kingdom of God. Number three, I honor God when I'm faithful. When there's fidelity in my heart towards the Lord. When I serve him wholeheartedly like a Caleb. When I stay at it. When I am steadfast, regardless of circumstances, I'm going to stay close to God. He honors that. People who think they know us as believers and word people and the people of the spirit, they just preach an easy believe it, believism, you know, and you just, you know, you just kind of wave your wand and everything is perfect in your life. No, we don't teach that at all. But we do teach that if you will line your life up to certain things that honor God, your life is going to be far better than it would if you dishonor God. And there's an entirety in the Word of God to prove it and back it up. People that honor God have a wonderful life in God. And people that dishonor Him live far below their privileges. And some of them, are, it's a lot worse than that. Amen? Number four, I honor God when I tithe. I honor Him. Mighty God. Supplier of every need. 
You're the one that gives breath and water and wind and sun and jobs and homes and cars and food. It's you. And I remember what you brought me out of. Israel's not the only one that came out of Egypt. Every one of you came out of your own Egypt. And every time you tithe, you say, I honor you. I know who did that. Some of y'all were in a pretty pathetic place when God found you. Amen. He had to send in a few extra angels to get you out. And every time you tithe, you're saying, I remember. I know where I was. I know what he did. And I'm going to honor him all the days of my life. Yes, I'm going to walk in the truth. Yes, I'm going to be diligent. Yes, I'm going to be faithful. And I'm going to tithe because when I do, it honors you. That's why the Bible says, honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your substance. Number five, I honor God when I sow, not throw, hallelujah. But I honor God when I sow, and he honors me with sower's promises. Tither's rights when I tithe, and sower's promises when I sow. It honors him. I tell you, when you're sitting there minding your own business, and God puts somebody on your heart that may be you know, close or far away, but let's say somebody's near, and you do something kind for them. This story is told to me as a pastor. Some of y'all just think you do these things and then they just go out into the, the wasteland somewhere. But oftentimes in the community, word will get back to a pastor. Yeah. And somebody walked into a grocery store and paid several people behind them their groceries. You have no idea what those people were going through. You know, that's great. It meets the need for somebody. But you know how much that honors God that you would hear and listen and do what he tells you to do. Say it, I'm a sower, not a thrower. Say it, I'm a sower, not a thrower. It blesses people, no doubt. But do you know it blesses the heart of God? Somewhere he's saying, in Murray, Kentucky, I got somebody that I can count on. Come on, raise your hand and say it. I'm in Murray, Kentucky. And he can count on me. Isn't that a wonderful thing? It honors God. It honors God when he says, do this, 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 and this. And you say, yes, sir, right away, sir. I'm yours to command. Versus the Christian that very distinctly heard God say, I want you to give those $300 bills to so-and-so. And you say, static. <laughs> Breaking up. <laughs> when you know good well, God told you that. And he's thinking to myself, I can't, I can't count on them. Amen. Well, if I give the $300 away, then it's gone. That's your problem. It's not gone. It's invested in the kingdom of God, 30, 60, 100 fold. Your mind needs to be renewed to how these things work. Some Christians do hear from God. It's just like they're not at the place where they want to honor him. Number six, I honor God when I believe. No matter how crazy the promise is. No matter how big the challenge is, no matter how strong the rebuke is or the correction is, I what? I believe him. You know, honors God when you believe him. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I believe him. Are you still holding on to your faith in that situation? Aren't you crazy? Can't you see the circumstances? I'm going to believe God. The, the carnal man would say, if you get the result, then your belief was warranted. I'm going to tell you something. Your belief is warranted whether you see the result or not. God is honored by the faith itself. You and I are thrilled with the manifestation. And don't get me wrong. I like manifestation too. But God is thrilled with the faith itself. They believed me hope against hope. All hell was breaking loose against them and their family and they still believe God. It's kind of like the difference between Job and Job's wife. Are you still holding on to your integrity and faith? Curse God and die. And he looked up to heaven and said, Oh, thou, thou, that woman that gave me, amen. Can I, can I return her? <laughs> Despite it all, you, you believe God. That's not a bad thing. Keith Moore was preaching and he was staying with a friend of his in the house. They had a little kid in the, in, the, uh, in the house, and he was listening to what Keith Moore was saying about manifestation, manifestation, manifestation. And a little boy came up one time, and he said, Hey, Daddy, when's the man coming from the station? <laughs> we just, when is the man coming from the station? <laughs> the heart of a child. <laughs> it's wonderful. 
But guess what? It's the, it's the faith that honors him. He, here's, here's a tip for you. He's the one that brings the manifestation. You have nothing to do with that. But you do have something to do with believing him. And that's where the honor comes in. Say it with me. I honor him when I believe him. And number seven, I honor him when I speak faith. Right in the face of everything that looks like it's fallen apart, I speak faith in the midst of that situation. It honors God. Anybody can praise God, speak faith after it happens. Anybody can testify after it happens. Do you know what speaking faith is? It's testifying before it happens. It's testifying before. I don't know how, don't know when, don't know any of the details. All I know is he is faithful. It honors him. Come on, shout out, I honor God when I walk in the truth, when I'm diligent, when I'm faithful, when I tithe, when I sow, when I believe, when I speak. Those that honor God, God will honor and you know the scripture that we just talked about comes from 1 Samuel chapter 2. You know what it's about? It's about Eli's sons, the sons of the priests who were walking in wickedness in their duties. And he was saying, your family doesn't honor me and you're about to be replaced. So it's, it's tough on us if we walk in dishonor, but the principle is God saying, you know what? You'll honor me. I'll honor you right back. Amen. And how many know that he can do a lot more for us than we can do for him? That's a pretty good deal. Say it one more time. If I honor him, he'll honor me. And he can do more for me than I'll ever do for him. What's in my heart today to sow, and look at somebody and say, that's just his foundation. That's just the introduction is to explain to you using the widow of Zarephath and using Naaman the Syrian who got healed of leprosy as a running illustration for you today, four ways to honor God in your daily lives. Everybody say, my daily life. Honoring God. Number one, welcome the word of God. To honor is to receive, to welcome, to esteem, to value. Welcome that word. We're talking about the big picture, the foundation of the word of God. Look, God had already commanded a widow to provide for the prophet before Elijah ever got there. That's missed in sometimes when we read this thing, but he had already been talking to her. What does that tell me? It tells me she welcomes the word of the Lord. That's something that wasn't going on in Israel. She was welcoming the word of the Lord. She was already prepared for the rest of this story because God had already been talking to her. Now, she was still carnal, didn't have it all figured out. She was in the middle of a famine, and, and death was imminent for her and her son. Same thing with Naaman. Somewhere in Syria, there was a story of a prophet who, if you listen to him, people were getting healed and delivered and set free. What does that tell me? He had ears as op were open to receive the truth about Almighty God. He wasn't focused on, on paganism. He wasn't focused on, on what he'd heard about the gods of, of this other nation, but he heard something. The word must be received. Come on, say, I'm a, I'm a receiver. I'll tell you this. When you get into the habit of honoring God's word privately, personally, in church, while it's going forward, when you walk out of here, you ask yourself, how can I apply that to my life? It honors God. We welcome the word in our hearts and our lives, and it does an amazing thing. You see, they had hearing ears in general. And that's the first step, really, to honoring God. Can you hear what he is saying? How I many of you are talking right now in this land? A lot of people can't hear it. They're drawing conclusions about things that have nothing to do with the wisdom of God. Come on, say it. I'm on God's team. If anybody ever asks you whose side you're on, I'm on God's side. The winning side. Yes, amen. Welcome the word with great esteem and honor in your life. And keep welcoming the word of God. That's how you honor him. 
I'll tell you, a lot of uh, God's opinion about you and whether you honor him or not is your relationship with the written word of God. A Bible that's not opened ever is not honoring God. A Bible that stays in the back seat of your car getting baked in 100 degree temperatures is not honoring God. Amen? But a Bible that's well read and falling apart. I heard a story the other day about somebody they're on their fourth Bible. Amen? And it was falling apart. Actually, uh, you know, the, the story was, was told uh, by your mama over there in, in the uh, funeral, standing right in front of your grandpa. And uh, he was saying something about your mom's Bible was, was all falling apart again. It had been, I don't know, third or fourth Bible that was falling apart. How many understand a Bible that's falling apart is proof of a life that's not falling apart? Amen. You read them. And you mark them, and you study them, and you read them, and you mark them, and you study them. And pretty soon you can't tell, you know, where you marked it and where you studied it. It's just over and over again. And some of you are like, oh, I can never mark my Bible. I can never write in my Bible. Well, here's what you do. You go down to Walmart, get your $10 copy, and you write in that one. Put that nice one in a glass case and look at it. Because the one you're marking and interacting with is doing you more good than the ones in the glass case. Amen. <laughs> isn't that wonderful? I said, isn't that awesome? Uh, some of you are kind of hiding your Bible right now because you don't want anybody to see how brand new it is still. That's why some of y'all carry digital devices. Can't tell how worn it is. Amen. Here we are. Thousands of years later, and we're still scrolling through Isaiah. <laughs> However, you expose yourself to it, make sure you are welcoming the Word of God. It's not going to hurt you ever. It's always going to bless your life. Are you here today? Every jot, every tittle, every sentence, every chapter, every verse, if you listen to God, it'll bless you. Number two, welcome the timing of God. Welcome the timing of God. You've got to be sensitive to know when God is moving, that God is doing something. Discern he's doing something in our time and jump in instead of standing back waiting for everybody else to agree with God. You be quick to jump in there with him. You don't want to get ahead of God in something, but you don't want to get behind. God's the one that creates the waves. Your job is to ride them. And in this story, you have an individual who, this is it. This is the time right now. I've been praying, crying out to God. He's already spoken to me. And here is the word. Here is the message. Here it comes right now. Now is the time for me to act on this thing. Same thing with Naaman. Now is the time for me to go to Israel with permission from the king and submit myself and find out about how to be healed. Now is the time. Look at somebody and say, now. Some of y'all have been putting off things. It's time for you to get on God's timetable. And don't miss the supernatural increase and in blessing he has for you because you're still waiting around. Well, I'm just waiting on God. No, he's got a word for you. He's waiting on you. It's like people walking around in church. Well, I'll get involved in the ministry and service when I feel led, when I feel led, when I feel led. You know, my mom and dad's pastor down in Arizona, he passed out a piece of lead to everybody in the church. He told him to get it out, and I want y'all to rub this. He didn't tell him what it was for. Rub the lead. What's that for? Now y'all have felt lead. I get involved. Look at somebody and say, don't make Pastor Art get, get a bunch of lead in here. He's the same guy that was teaching on getting involved with people's lives instead of being closed-minded about people and, and their hurts. And that in his service, he handed out a little lifesaver in a little bitty plastic bag and a little raisinette. Y'all know what a raisinette is? Chocolate-covered raisin? And the essence of his message, I wasn't even there, and I'm still struck by the message. I never even listened to the message. I just heard about the illustration. He said, now I've preached the message. I've shared my heart with you. It's up to you. Take a good look at that little bag. You can either be a lifesaver or a turd, but it's up to you. 
That's, that's my kind of pastor right there, amen. <laughs> Some of you are going to come in here one day, there's going to be a lifesaver and a razor to it, and I'm not going to say a word. I'm not going to say nothing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look at somebody and say, be a lifesaver. And not a turd. How is she going to save the life of her and her, son, and her son? By acting on. This is the time. Right now, this is the time. How is Naaman going to save his life? This is the time. Now is the time. Look at somebody and tell them, you're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you. Hallelujah. Number three, welcome the messenger of God. Welcome the man or woman of God. I'm sorry, I don't have time for you, Elijah. I'm sorry, Elisha. I don't have time for you either. Take a hike. No, you welcome with honor. The scripture says when you reject the one he has sent, you reject Jesus. When you reject Jesus, you reject him. You reject the Father. Are you here today? To treat God's men and women who serve him in the fivefold ministry or in laboring in the local church with anything but respect is to show contempt to God. And a lot of people missed out on their supernatural breakthroughs because of their attitude and behavior towards leadership across the country. Now, I've said this before and I'll say it again. In the Anglo church is probably worse than any other demographic in America right now with this. We bought into the cynicism and the nonsense. It's just like with police. A police officer does one thing wrong, and next thing you know, all police officers stink, and we should defund the police. Lean in for this one. That's what you call stupid gone to see. I just don't know. We defunded the police by 10.2 million, and I just don't understand how come crime is surging. They shouldn't even let you vote, let alone run for mayor. <laughs> you don't know. Let me help you out, darling. Pull out the restraint, and what's going to happen? It's not rocket science, but apparently, for some, it is rocket science. So one city in America that shall remain nameless, Minneapolis, decided we should refund the police. There's an idea. The same people who defunded the police now say that the police should be refunded. It's the same thing with any group or profession of people. You can find, you know, somebody in the mix that's not doing the right thing, not saying the right thing. But the bottom line is it's dangerous in the house of God because you can be affected by treating somebody with contempt in the natural in these other areas. Like, for example, walk, as, walk in, you know, to a doctor's office with a know-it-all attitude. Amen? Let me help you out here. When you walk into the office and the doctor says, how you doing? And your first word is, well, I was on Google the other day. <laughs> that, listen, that is like cussing to a physician. Just, just don't even say it. <laughs> but you you were on Google and you've got this symptom and this symptom and this symptom and you walk in there and you have so convinced yourself you've got this disease you walk in I'm going to die why? Google said so yes there are people out there that, that seem to not have a clue in that profession but that doesn't mean that everybody is like that does that make sense? It's the way that it is in every single situation. But you do that with a doctor and don't listen to the counsel and don't take what's prescribed, it can kill you in the natural. But you disrespect and dishonor the people in the ministry, it can cost you now and it can cost you for eternity as well. She didn't have to have it all figured out to welcome that man of God. Naaman didn't have to have it all figured out to listen to what the man of God had to say. All he had to do was just honor them and walk in it. Look at somebody and tell them again, God gives honor to those that give him honor. Say, he'll honor me. Say, he'll honor me if I honor him. Say it again, if I honor him, he'll honor me. I honor him when I welcome the word. I honor him when I welcome the timing. I honor him when I welcome the messenger. 
You say, is this always the case? No, if you've been in ministry for like uh, six months, you've seen people honor and dishonor you. That's just the way it is. Say, well, then what do you do? You have to respond in a Christ-like way. You have to walk in love. Because if you don't walk in love, then those who have walked in honor can't be fed appropriately because you're more concerned about people who dishonored you. Now, years, years ago, when, when Kelly and I actually interviewed, years ago, first time for this particular ministry, we were in Georgia, and we weren't even asked to come up here. It was on the telephone. And here's how that interview went with most of them. I say most of them because one person was not like that at all. But here's how it was. First of all, we don't care enough about you to even bring you up here face-to-face to talk to you. And second of all, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're to reference how the last guy did it because really we don't need to be doing interviews. What we need to do is get healed and whole first. Can I have an amen, church? But it was, well, this guy did this. What are you going to do? And when this guy did this, what would you do? And he did this. Now, what would you do? Not one simple question like this, for example. Hey, pastor, tell us about your prayer life. Or... Tell us about your vision for ministry. Or tell us how we'll reach the lost or whatever. You see what I'm saying to you? Complete and total contempt. Well, you know what uh, Doc Barkley was told by Lester Sumrall? And Dr. Sumrall got a call one day and Mark Barkley said, having a problem with this group in the church. And, you know, they just took off and left. And, and you know, it's, it's disappointed me and hurt some other people, blah, blah, blah. And he said, Mark, wouldn't even let me finish. Mark, is your church alive? No. Yes, Dr. Bar- uh, Dr. Sumrall, my church is alive. And then he said, every living organism has a bowel movement. He said, flush and move on. <laughs> <laughs> and if you've ever read or listened to Dr. Sumrall, you understand he was just that blunt. And he's like, okay, I'm so glad I called. <laughs> it's the Lord. Flush and move on. That's what you have to do when things bite you the wrong way. The Lord has a way of, of ministering to you. I just remember this the other day. You know, we were in Savannah. <laughs> Everybody say Savannah. Nice place to visit, just don't live there in September when the sand gnats and the humidity and everything like that. Beautiful old stately city. And uh, we got a call from Hopkinsville. And uh, the man that uh, was led to the Lord by Mark Randall wanted to know if we'd come up in an interview for the open church. Larry Mead, the missionary evangelist that we support, was the pastor and he was going back to India. And and I said, no, this is on the heels of our great experience. And I said, no, I think we'll just kind of just wait on the Lord here, you know, whatever, to see what God has for us. And he had actually called like three times to ask us to actually put a resume in. So finally, uh, basically it was just to get him from calling me again. I put it in there. I didn't expect really to hear anything from them. And they, and they called. Would you come up on such and such day? Would you just talk to us? We want to catch, you know, see your vision and all that. And uh, we did. And we we walked in the doors of, you know how these old churches are where they have a room over here on the side of the platform, a room over here. I remember as we move over here on the left side of the platform, we walked in that door. And all these men, there were five of them at the time, were sitting around the table. And here I was 26, you were what? 22 years old. And we walked in that door and they all stood up, every single one of them, and made a line to come over and shake our hand. It was as if God was saying, just because some people walk in dishonor doesn't mean that my people are dishonorable. And, uh, and they're all different individuals. They're very interesting. And then Jay came up and shook, shook my hand too. Of course it wasn't until about six months later, Jay said to me, I didn't think they'd vote for you in a million years after begging me to put a resume in. <laughs> so we did. And they voted on us. There, were, there was uh, 30... Uh, 31 votes. Those, that was the active voting membership. 30 yes and one no. And the one that voted no was as deaf as a doorknob. We don't think she understood the question. That's why she voted <laughs> no. <laughs> but do you see what I'm saying to you? 
It's not about how great everybody is. It's about walking in honor. Even when things don't go well for you. Even when you're not necessarily treated right. Even when things could have been handled better. Raise your hand if somebody could have handled something better concerning you. Let's go ahead and raise it up there. Yeah? Now, what's your job? Get even? Spite them? No. You love them because that's how we operate. We don't come out of honor if somebody came out of honor towards us. Do you see this? Look at somebody and say, welcome. Welcome, the servant of God. Welcome, honor, the messenger of God. In this church, you have some interesting people come across this platform. Welcome those that teach. Welcome and honor those that are ministering to your kids. They're not over there babysitting. They're using Super Kid Academy. Your kids are going to be the biggest fireballs in school one day because they're getting the right you know, diet of right things. Amen. You know, Dr. Barkley will be here. My crazy sister will be here soon. Yeah. Yeah. Honor my crazy sister. <laughs> Make sure you honor. <laughs> uh, and, you know, she's, she's kind of bold. I wonder where she got it from. <laughs> I think I know where she got it from. And she's about five foot three with blonde hair. She's sitting in the second row in the second seat. A little bit bold herself. Yes, amen. What do you do? You don't go, oh, that's just Jesus. That's just the son of Joseph and Mary. Ah, that's just Tammy. That's Art and Doris's kid. Ah, oh, that's just Pastor Art. He was a college student here. What could he possibly know? Well, I could tell you back then, not much. But I can tell you this. Be careful how you treat the college students. You might be stuck with them for a while. That's, that's good counsel. Huh? That's real good counsel. Honor. You honor them. You just don't honor the ones that are out there. You honor those that are up and coming. Amen. That's right. You appreciate the gift. You help develop and cultivate that gift. Yeah. That's a carpenter, son. How could God possibly do something through them? Listen, everybody came from some family. Yeah. Right? It's the grace of God that allows them to do anything at all. So you welcome that. What happens is uh, your heart is more open to receive. Your mind is there to receive that revelation and, and receive and let it sink into your spirit. You receive more from the Spirit of God. You receive more of His gifts. When you honor the Word, but also honor the messenger, you get more out of it. See, that's what's so bad when somebody will dishonor a man of God to somebody, and then that person won't listen to that man of God anymore. Do you see what just happened? That person just blocked that person from walking in honor and receiving from them. I tell you, no matter how long you're in this, you should look to people and say, you know what, there's still more to receive. Are you here? There's still more to receive. Now, if you've ever dishonored the word or you, you held out on God in, or in terms of a timing thing or, or maybe it was just you did walk in contempt at one point in your life towards ministry, hey, you can repent of that. It's not a life sentence. It's a good time to do it, amen? Because there were two people, one in a famine, right? And one in a time of great leprosy, and it's not the people that got the results you would think they would have gotten the results. Two unexpected people got results. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Are you still here? Amen. Here's your fourth principle. Walk, amen, or welcome with great honor the agenda of God. Not just the word of God, not just the timing of God, not just the message of God, but the agenda of God. In this third great awakening, you might, you might see some strange things happening. Amen. Don't think you have it all figured out. Your job is to stay in the word and receive what God is doing. But here's the point with the agenda. How many think it would be pretty weird for a man of God to show up to a starving woman's house and tell her before she feeds herself and her little boy, feed me first? 
What would CNN do with that? Tell us, ma'am, how did you feel when the prophet tried to take the last morsel of food out of your mouth? Tell us. Little boy, what did you think? Well, I think it was rotten. <laughs> Mama's going to make me a meal. He come in and take my meal. What kind of man of God is that? If you're not careful, you'll carnalize yourself right out of the miracle. She would hurt God. Now it's time to do something with it and to receive that agenda. Okay, 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 okay. First, I will make you a cake. Amen. And then praise the Lord. And then something happened. She fed the prophet of God and the meal never went away and the oil never went away the entire time of the famine. What did she get? Supernatural increase. She got the miracle because she welcomed the agenda or the plan or the specifics. There's the word and then there's specifics for you and for me day to day to carry out. Aren't you glad she did it? Amen. Amen. Don't you think it's kind of strange that Naaman would be told to go take a bath and that would do something for him? I mean, he's this great general, used to pomp and circumstance and great respect and honor and people just in fear, getting out of his way. He rolls into Israel, and the prophet doesn't even come out of the house. <laughs> Amen? Hallelujah. And so he just says, go, David, George, seven times, and you'll be whole. And he's about to get offended. Even though he heard about the prophet, even though he got permission from his king to come over here, even though he wanted to do this, he was very deliberate. Now he tells him to do something simple. Everybody say, welcome, welcome. the agenda. Welcome the specifics. Welcome the agenda. <laughs> and a little, little servant girl says, uh, <clears throat> Mr. General, if he told you to do something great, wouldn't you have done that? He's basically asking you to get your rubber ducky and just dip down and do what he told you to do. Well, aren't the waters of Damascus better than this? Doesn't matter. He didn't tell you the agenda. He didn't tell you to dip into the waters of Damascus. He told you to dip what? Rubber ducky, you're the one. He told you to what? Dip into this water. And thank God he did. Got a snorter over here on the second row. <laughs> Say, welcome the agenda. And when he came up, his flesh was brand new. They welcome the word. You receive it. Welcome, honor. You welcome, receive, and honor. Amen. God's timing. This was it, Naaman. This is your chance. You're going to blow it? You're going to blow it because you think Damascus water better than this water? Huh? Welcome, what? That messenger who told you this. Who cares if he's on the other side of that door? Just do what God told you to do. Welcome the agenda. And when he went down, he came up, guess what? Transformed. Now watch out. Go back in the story in your mind to when Jesus said, there wasn't anyone in Israel during the famine that the prophet was sent to. There wasn't anyone in the days of leprosy that the prophet was sent to. But Naaman the Syrian. What did those two have that an awful lot of people didn't have? Honor. Honor. Welcoming the word. Welcoming God's timing. Welcome God's man. Welcoming God's agenda or the specifics. Here's a very simple principle for you. I'll be talking about this in detail on faith talk in, in a couple weeks to come. But write this down. It's real simple. Jesus plus a command. Plus obedience equals the breakthrough. Jesus plus the command plus obedience equals the breakthrough. I want you to say that with me. Jesus, Jesus. Plus, the plus the command plus obedience, plus obedience. Equals, equals the breakthrough, the, breakthrough. the supernatural increase. The impossible becoming possible. Do you see this? It's having a right relationship with Jesus to be able to hear him. And then receive that command and then act on that command. And what does he do when you do that? I'm telling you from Genesis to Revelation, you can see this principle at work. 
A man like Bartimaeus gets up, throws his cloak aside, and comes out to Jesus. What do you want? When Jesus asks you, what do you want, what do you do? You tell him. I want my sight. He comes up, and there's a man with a withered hand. Gives him a very difficult command. Say, Jesus, plus the command, plus obedience, equals the breakthrough. Stretch out your hand. Stretch out my hand. Stretch out my hand. Welcome to the word. Welcome to timing. Amen. Welcome the man of God. Welcome the specifics. The specifics are stretch out my hand. I think I can do that. And he stretched it out. And what happened? Ten lepers screaming at the top of their lungs. Have mercy on us. Jesus says what? Go show yourselves to the priests. You're not supposed to show yourself to the priests unless you're healed. At least the priests get mad at you. Huh? Are you still here? But what do they do? Okay, uh, welcome to the Word. We've heard about him. There's something going on in this man's ministering life. There's power there. Uh, welcome the timing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is it. Let's believe God. This is the time. This is the moment. This is where everything changes for us. Uh, honor the man of God. We believe that he is what he says he is, what the people say he is. He is the son of God. He is the son of David. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. So mm, go show ourselves to the priest. Oh, I guess we can do that. And as they went, Jesus plus the command plus obedience equals the breakthrough. If they hadn't have done what he said, there'd been what? No breakthrough. Same principle applied for Naaman and the widow and applies for you and for me. Come on, shout it out. Jesus plus the command plus obedience equals the breakthrough. No Nowhere in Scripture can you not see this principle. Amen. Amen. In that relationship with him comes the key to your breakthrough. You just have to be walking in honor. Watch this. You'll have to walk in honor to receive it. You'll have to walk in honor to do it. And when he comes through for you, you praise him. Amen. It was Jesus it was his idea to tell you what you to do, and he is the one that gave you the will and the purpose and the, the forethought and the courage to do it, and he's the one that worked the manifestation on the end of this thing. I want you to stand your feet right now all over the building.